Good morning, Tapestry. Welcome to uh, another episode of Sunday School um, at Tapestry as we continue on um, kicking off each of our services for this year uh, by going old school with the felt board and just straight out telling one of the stories in the Bible and then diving in a little deeper. Um, today we're going to be looking at a story that takes place inside of a house. This is inside of a house. You can tell it's a house because there's a vase, right? That makes it a house. But uh, this house uh, was in an area called Capernaum. And Jesus had, uh, this was up near where Jesus was originally from. And he and the disciples had made it up there. And Jesus decides he's going to go to this house. And uh, he's going to kind of set up shop there. And he's going he's to give a lesson. He's going to speak. So um, we're going to have him stand right in front of the window so that the people outside can hear him too. Um, and that's an important point because anywhere that Jesus went, a crowd followed. And the crowds were starting to get especially large because Jesus had been doing these miracles. And people were wanting to show up and see miracles. And so anytime rumor came around um, that Jesus was there, people would, people would start to show up. So you had uh, you have some people, and there's a lot of people, and we had a lot more people. Let's get those people and their people, and it was full. And you get a lot more people, and it's just all full this way, right? And you think, oh, well, there's some room on this side of the house. There, there is, but there was some, some people there and some more people, and it was just packed. And it wasn't just packed on the inside. It was packed outside as well. Probably if I had enough felt characters, we'd get people peeking in the windows. And just, it was crazy. Well, a lot of people had come because they wanted to see a miracle. But there was a specific group of people that were there because they wanted to be on the receiving end of a miracle. There was a guy who had found himself in a situation in life where he was, he was unable to walk. And he spent all of his time lying down on a mat. And his buddies, when they heard Jesus was in town, they said, we know what we're going to do. We're going to take our buddy who's spending all this, his life laying on a mat. We're taking him to Jesus because Jesus will do something about it. So they get him on the mat and they start carrying him up. And there were so many people that he could not get close to, let alone inside of the house. So his buddies, you know, they were, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I don't know if he was just like, ah, well, you tried, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it. But they're like, no, we're not giving up. So I don't know. They go around to the back of the house and they get up on the roof. And once they get up on the roof, they start, they start digging through the roof. These roofs weren't like our roofs now. You wouldn't be able to dig through by hand. But they could, you could start tearing apart through these roofs. And they start digging a hole in the roof. And when they got the hole large enough... They decided they were going to let their buddy down through that hole. And so all of these people are sitting around watching Jesus speak, and they see the commotion and stuff starting to fall. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, here comes a guy, right? He starts to be lowered down through the roof. And what a scene that must have been. I don't know, I imagine everybody kind of got, a, got out of the way and moved as the guy started to get lower and lower. Well, that's real out of the way. But he lowered down, lowered down, lowered down until he was down even 
but Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. When he gets lowered down, and his buddies, I imagine their heads are sticking down in the hole, seeing what happened. Jesus looks at him, and he says, Your sins are forgiven. Which is a weird thing to say to a guy who was being lowered down, hoping to be healed. Well, there wasn't just all of these guys that were all these people that were on the side watching and in the house and, and all filled up. There, there were a couple other people there too. It seems like we can't ever have a story without these guys. Remember him? Mean looking religious guy? Other religious guy? They're on the edge of the crowd and they, they hear Jesus say, your sins are forgiven. And this strikes them in a bad, bad way. And they start murmuring to each other, and they're like, that, that's, that's blasphemy. Who does he think he is to be able to forgive a man's sin? And Jesus, in such an amazingly Jesus way, like he always tended to do, he knew what they were thinking. So he says to the guys, he says, hey, hey, I hear what you're thinking. But let me ask you this, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And they're kind of shocked because I imagine people were always shocked when Jesus called them out on what they were thinking, not saying out loud to them. And he said that, and I think they were kind of just stunned. And then Jesus looks at the man and he says, get up and walk. Next thing you know, the guy gets up out of his bed and everybody's shocked. And I don't know if he said, I don't know if he said thank you. I, I would hope he said thank you, but he begins to walk out and everybody just kind of clears the way. <laughs> and they're murmuring. And as soon as he's gone, they just start celebrating because of the miracle that they had just witnessed. Now, this is one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. If you grew up in church at all, you're familiar with this story. I've read it many times, and I'm always so fascinated every time I come back across it to Jesus' response to this person's, this guy, the, the, the guy's immediate need. And the blinding, uncomfortable truth within this story is that Oftentimes, our immediate need is not our deepest need, right? Oftentimes, our pressing need is not our primary need. The thing that we want the most is not what we need the most. Because in the world we live in, we tend to lose sight um, of our real need. Right? And we come to God and we say these prayers with our, with our pressing needs, with our urgent needs, with the needs that we're feeling right in the moment. And, and we pray about those things. And, and God doesn't answer those prayers like we want him to answer those prayers. And when he doesn't, we're very disappointed or we get angry or we wonder where God is and what God's thinking and why isn't God helping. And the answer to those questions is found in this story. We find the biblical account of this story in Mark chapter 2, if you have a Bible that you read along with. Um, and Mark is the shortest of the Gospels, of the four Gospels. Um, and Jesus 
had launched his, his ministry. He had been doing the miracles, giving some teachings. He had made people, made people mad. Um, but that's where we pick up this story. A few days later, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And all of these people had come for one reason. They had come to see the miracle power of Jesus, right? And there were so many that the house was full. And there were people packed around the doors and the windows. But there were so many people that, that most of the people who were there probably couldn't even hear Jesus, let alone see Jesus. But, but, but hearing, that, hearing that, that Jesus was there, right? They all came. They wanted to see a show. They wanted to see Jesus do his magic trick. Yeah, Jesus had a message. And I don't know how much time Jesus had to spend preparing his messages or if they all just came out. I don't know. It takes me a lot of time to figure out what I'm going to say. Jesus, probably not so much. But he had it, but, but his message wasn't really the reason for the standing room only crowds. That wasn't what drew in the people. Here's what it says as the people were all gathered around. He preached the word to them. And then some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. So these four guys here, Jesus, miracle worker in town. And we don't know how long this guy had been paralyzed, if this was a new thing, if it had been all his life. But what we knew, know is that those four guys, they cared enough about him that they were going to do something about it. And determined to get it in, get him in, they make their way to the roof. Um, and I don't know whose idea that was as I was reading this. I've been, kind of been on a um, spy movie kick lately. Uh, and I watched uh, um, quite a few of the Mission Impossible movies. And so I just kind of, I, I, there's something very Mission Impossible-y about like getting a hole in the roof and lowering a guy down through it. Um, so I don't know, maybe the guy's buddies had been watching Mission Impossible. Probably not. But um, they, they were determined to get him in there, right? And like I said, you could bust through the, those roofs then. They were made mostly of sticks and mud. Those roofs had to be replaced all the time because they didn't last long. And so they started making their way into this house by tearing through the roof. It is probably, I think it's the first probably recorded uh, breaking and entering in all of history, but... But it says this, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat that the paralyzed man was laying on. Now, picture this moment. As Jesus is sitting there and he's speaking, everybody's really quiet listening to him. Just imagine like starting to hear the noise on the roof. And it would be a little bit distracting at first as you're like, oh, what is that? Okay, no, I'm going to keep paying attention to Jesus. Oh, there it is again. What's going on? And all of a sudden, bits and pieces of mud and sticks start falling through, right? Like, it's hard to, Jesus, Jesus was going to lose the crowd. Everybody just kept paying attention. And, and at this point, the, the teaching was over. The sermon was over. Everybody was wanting to see what was going on with the roof. And so, I don't know, I imagine Jesus probably just stopped and looked up and waited for it to happen, but... But finally, there's a hole in the roof. They start lowering this guy. Everybody can see his buddies up there lowering him down. And, 
And I kind of picture it a little something like this as, as the mat was coming down. Like, you know, it's hard to get, it's hard to get everybody on the same on the same page. So I imagine maybe the guys on this side, like, you know, they're starting, oh, oh no, 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 it's too much, too much. Down, lower feet, lower feet, lower feet, lower. Oh, too much now. You drop that, you know, and it finally gets down there. All even. And then I imagine, and I imagine there's this moment, right? Because he finally gets low enough. I don't know, where, where's the guy? Let me, let me find the guy. Let's go. He finally gets low enough when they drop the mat that like, he could probably almost be eye to eye with Jesus. And I just imagine kind of the guy, just Jesus' head starting to come into view as he's being lowered, right? And everybody's quiet, except, except maybe the homeowner who's mad about the hole in his roof now. Everybody's just kind of watching it. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I just kind of imagine, you know, maybe, maybe Jesus burst out laughing, right? I mean, there's stuff everywhere, debris, sticks, mud everywhere, right? There's guys looking down through a hole in the roof. The sermon's ruined, right? And, and everybody knows exactly why this guy's here. Not for some insight from his sermon, not to hear a great teaching. He was there because he wanted to be healed. He wanted to be healed. That's when Jesus takes the opportunity to shine a penetrating light and a difficult light on the situation. And the truth that Jesus speaks, it kind of seems like it just comes out of the blue, right? And it casts an understanding over all of our prayers and all of our concerns that we get frustrated that Jesus or God doesn't answer. Right? Then Jesus says this unusual thing that nobody was expecting and really seems kind of insensitive. The guy finally gets down into viewing range of Jesus there. And Jesus says this, when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? Probably the guys lowering him down through the roof because they were determined. He said to the paralytic, and, the, and then this is the moment everybody came to see. Everybody was here for the miracle. They're on edge. They're like, yes, it's going to happen. The sermon's done. They're going to get their show. And so Jesus looks at him and he said... Son, your sins are forgiven. To which if that was me laying on the mat, I'd have been like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You may be the only one here who hasn't caught on. <laughs> you know, who, 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 who doesn't know. They didn't bring him here for forgiveness. That's not why the guy is here. Everybody knows. Everybody knows why he's here. He went through all this trouble. Jesus, the least you could do is heal him, right? It's almost insensitive. And Jesus says, I've seen your faith. Your sins are forgiven. I mean, talk about a letdown, right? Could you imagine going through all that and that's what Jesus says to you? You know, the guys on the roof are probably like, wait, what? What did he say down there? Did I hear that right? Tend to forget what? And the people there, they weren't there for a, ser for a sermon. They were there for a miracle. And of course, there was the other group of people who were always on the edge of the crowd, the religious leaders. Anywhere Jesus went, there was at least a couple of them paying attention, right? And not only were they astounded by his lack of sensitivity, but, but now they're, they're blown away that a man, a human, would announce that another man's sins are forgiven. 
Here's how the biblical account says. Verse 6, now some teachers of the law, and they knew the law. They were the ones who explained how your sins were forgiven to all of the people, right? It couldn't happen until you went through them. The teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? In other words, they're saying, you can't say that. You can't, you, getting your sins forgiven is a complicated process, right? It's expensive. You have to buy a sheep. You have to buy a dove. Then you have to go to the temple, which for a lot of people meant you had to travel. Then you have to make an appointment. And then you have to wait and wait and wait and wait when you get there, right? Then you have to make sure once you're there, you have to become ceremoniously cleaned and go through all of that. And then the priest slaughters the animal and gets blood everywhere. And it's all a mess. And then it's only temporary because soon you've got to do it again because it doesn't last. Right? Forgiveness is complicated. It's costly. And these guys are thinking like, wait, and we are the teachers of the law. Right? You have to come through us. Their sins give us job security. And it's complicated. You can't just declare Jesus that sins are forgiven. And there's more. Verse 7. Why does this fellow talk like that? They said to themselves. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were probably thinking, you know, you could forgive somebody if they did something to you. Right? You you could forgive that. But not if if it has nothing to do with you. You you can't forgive somebody for stuff that they do that you're not involved in. You, You can't do that. Only God can offer that kind of forgiveness. Who do you think you are, Jesus? That that all ran through their minds that quick. That's what they were processing, right? So you got one group who's disappointed because, you know, they they thought they were going to see a miracle and Jesus didn't do the miracle. The paralytic guy is like, you know, you guys are going to have to haul me back up because he didn't do it. Now I don't know what we're going to do, right? You've got the religious leaders who are angry. Like, really? This whole thing by Jesus is brilliant. It is brilliant because now Jesus has the undivided attention of everybody there. Yes, it's for a lot of different reasons, but he has set up the situation that everybody is honed in on him. The paralyzed guy who's wondering what's next, his friends who are disappointed, the crowd who wanted a show, the religious leaders who are mad, Can you imagine? It must have been tense inside of that small house. Verse 8, immediately, Jesus didn't even give the religious leaders a chance to speak their thoughts out loud. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? And I I bet people never cease to be freaked out when he would do that to them. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? You see, Jesus is saying, look, 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 I I know why they're here. I know what the crowd wants. I know what this guy's immediate need is. Like, I, I know what he wants, 
But which is easier to say? Jesus is essentially telling them, listen, I know something that you do not know. That this guy's pressing need is not his primary need. That what's urgent to him right now in the moment is not what is most important. What he wants isn't what he needs the most. And I, Jesus would look around and say to the people, I have addressed his primary need. I've addressed his deepest need and nobody appreciates it because all of you are blind to a very important truth. See, if we were all to make lists of our priorities, um, it would probably look something like this. Pretty high on the list would be health, right? We all want good health, right? We, we want to live a long time and we want everything to work while we're living, right? Another thing that would be pretty high would be money and stuff. Like we'd put that high on our priority list, right? Because if you have those two things, if you have health and if you have money, you've got a whole lot of options in life, right? And then we probably companionship, Right? We don't want to be alone. We want somebody to do life with, you know. Preferably, you know, preferably we'd like them to be cute, but hey, that's not a deal breaker, right? And so then probably another one that would be up there would be, you know, we want we want people to know who we are. You know, we want to have done something great. You, you know what? You know what never shows up on our list of priorities? Forgiveness. Forgiveness never really shows up. And some of you, maybe, you don't think you need forgiveness because it's not a pressing, immediate need that you feel. Right? You don't wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I feel like I need some forgiveness today. Maybe if you had a really bad night, maybe. But usually not. Right? And some of you, some of you might not, think you need forgiveness because maybe you don't think you've sinned. I mean, yeah, you make mistakes every once in a while, but that's not a big deal, right? But it's not urgent. It's not a primary need. In fact, it doesn't even show up on the majority of our lists of our priorities. And this really is Jesus's point in this story. He, he had everyone's attention because they wanted to see a miracle. And when Jesus forgave this guy's sin instead, everybody was disappointed. Because forgiveness isn't high on any of our lists. Why? Because we don't see the way God sees. Because when we do see like God sees, we, we gain eternal perspective. Right? And that moves, that moves forgiveness to much higher on the list once we have eternal perspective. But until we see like God sees, it doesn't even make the list because it isn't urgent. We don't feel the need for forgiveness. It's something that maybe uh, we'll worry about it when the end of life is getting a lot closer. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Let, let, me, let me lay some uncomfortable truth on you. Your deepest need is forgiveness. Is forgiveness. All, all of these other needs uh, are left on you ultimately, I think, to drive you to seek the thing that you actually need. 
Right? That is for everything that stands between you and God to be removed so that you can be connected to him forever. So the story goes on, and this could be a message on its own, but it won't be. But he says, which is easier to say? And of course, they're thinking, well, of course, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because there's no way to prove if they actually are or not. If you say, hey, get up and walk, we can see he either does or he doesn't, right? That's provable. But anybody can say, you know, your sins are forgiven. How do we know it's true, right? The only one who has the authority to make that statement is God. And Jesus knew that that's the way they thought. So here's what he says. He says, but that, and in the Greek, it means so that. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, why did Jesus use that word authority? Right? For him to say this means that, that he has not only the authority to remove sin, but he has the authority over the consequences of sin, which is death and which is eternal separation from the Father. And if someone were to say, you know, your sins are forgiven, then what they are implying through that statement is that they have the authority not only to forgive, but to remove the consequences of the sin. And to be honest, that's what everyone really wants when it comes to forgiveness, isn't it? Right? We want to not have to pay the consequences for what we've done in the life to come. That's what we're really after. So Jesus says, okay, just so you know that what I just said isn't just words, I'm going to remove one of the physical consequences of sin. I have the authority over the sin and I have the right to forgive the sin. So he said to the paralytic, verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Now this, is what the people had come for. This was it, right? And do you know why Jesus performed miracles? Because by healing someone physically, he was demonstrating that he had the authority to heal them spiritually, right? Because everybody Jesus ever healed died. Not right then, but eventually they died, right? Those miracles were not permanent. It was temporary evidence that he had the authority to meet people's ultimate need, which was the forgiveness of their sins. So he got up, this man, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And I imagine Jesus was standing there because here he is. He seals a man's fate for all of eternity. And they only celebrated the temporary thing. The thing that wouldn't be, they didn't even catch on to the eternal miracle that God, that Jesus had just performed in front of them. Why? Because they were like us. Because their list is like our list. Forgiveness and the eternal isn't pressing. It isn't something we feel on a regular basis. And so it wasn't high on the priority list. We are so consumed with the temporary that we forget the eternal. 
And it wouldn't be very long after this where Jesus didn't just take care of that guy's sin, but he would go to the cross and take care of the sins of every single person in the world. Right? And the moment will come when we embrace that truth that our most pressing need is not health, it's not wealth, it's not companionship, it's not leaving a legacy, uh, because all of those things are temporary. Our real issue, our most deepest need is an eternal one. Our deepest need, where will I spend eternity? Can I be connected to God the Father forever? Jesus said, yeah, you can. Because I have the authority to say you are forgiven. And all of the problems that we have on our lists that we take to God, that we're like, God, fix this, fix this, take care of this, move in this area, work in this area. All of those things are a result of sin. Health, <laughs> our health issues, Look, death entered the world with sin. Our financial issues are a direct result of choices that we made or choices that were made for us. Relationship issues go back to our personal sin issues. But we blame God for these things because we no longer associate our pressing and urgent needs. We no longer associate those with the results of sin, both in our life and in the world. But when we do, the fact that we've been forgiven becomes a point of celebration because it is actually our deepest need. Now, sometimes, sometimes God will step in and, and he'll fix that need that we're feeling right at the moment that's that pressing immediate need. But a lot of times he doesn't. And it's when he doesn't that people begin to question and begin to doubt and begin to wonder where God is or if God is even real. But every time, every time you ask him for something, he says to you, your primary need has been taken care of. You have been forgiven. And if we keep that perspective, it makes all of the other needs not feel nearly as pressing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I, I, I thank you for stories like this that have been preserved for thousands of years that point us back to important truths. And Father, I thank you that even though we are so concerned, consumed with the temporary and that we're so uh, concerned with the, the immediate things that we're dealing with, Lord, I thank you that through what you did on the cross, you have addressed our most important need. That is the forgiveness of our sins. God, I pray that we be people who keep that perspective 
and do not allow the temporary and do not allow the urgent to cause us to forget what is most important. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us and for your mercy and for your grace when we lose track of what is truly important. And thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you've made it this far in the video, here is something special for you. This is kind of my version of the Marvel's end credit scenes. Um, we are going to be meeting back in person on Sunday mornings starting next month. March 21st, we are going to begin meeting back at the Y, not inside. We're going to stay outside in the field. It's going to be a bring your own chairs, blankets, however you want to do it. And we're going to be out there. Um, but the time has come for us to begin meeting back together in person. And I don't know about you, but I am so excited about it and need it so much. Um, so begin to spread the word, mark it on your calendars. March 21st, we are back in person. Have a great week.